This is Beyond the Class, a podcast brought to you by the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cape Breton University. I'm Grace Vienna, Teaching and Learning Specialist, filling in for your usual host, AJ Fraser. In this series, we take a jump into the deep end in an effort to explore what it takes to create a meaningful and truly transformative educational experience without stepping foot in the classroom. Today, we talk with Jason Loxton and Jasmine Hoover about the use of open educational resources in the online classroom. Open access in higher education seeks to eliminate barriers for students and create equitable learning opportunities for all. Jasmine was the first person to welcome me to the CBU community and bring the importance of open access to my attention. Currently working as the liaison librarian for the School of Science and Technology, she's worked extensively with graphical information systems, research data management, and has led open access initiatives here at CBU and previously at ACU in Texas. Jason is a senior lab tech in geology here at CBU and an active member of the teaching community. He has been interviewed by CBC and is active in STEM discussions on Twitter. He is currently the CBU teaching chair in student engagement and knowledge translation. I also wanted to give a congratulations to Jason as he has recently been chosen for CBU's Instructional Leadership Award. So what are OER and why do they matter? OER is an acronym that stands for Open Educational Resources. Uh, the answer to the second part of that question is really in the acronym itself, that, that open part there. Uh, but what, what is an open educational resource? You might guess it's, it's one which is open. And in this sense, we're talking open for uh, anybody to use, anyone to repurpose, anyone to alter. There's a little bit of flexibility in terms of where people define it, but the general definition is uh, open in the capital kind of O sense of the word, so that anyone can do anything they want uh, with the materials. And so we're talking about things like uh, textbooks, for example, that are released in their you know digital editable file that you can take and you can make your own. You can cut and paste, you can change it around, you can use as much or little as you want, and that's all allowed within the, the copyright uh, rules for those documents. So why do they matter? Well, the open part of that uh, gives us the, the flexibility we need, especially now as we're all experimenting in this new kind of you know, digital educational reality where we're all making it up as we go. The flexibility of uh, an open resource allows us to be able to change the resource along with, you know, the changing circumstances. We're not we're not bound to whatever the, you know, some publisher several years ago decided is how we should be teaching the class. But the second part is really the most important part, which is uh, that open educational resources are free. Right? They're free for us to, to use as faculty members. So we can use them as resources for ourselves, but uh, we can also assign them to students and not have to worry about assigning students a financial you know, burden when we do that. I think another thing that people don't readily think about when they talk about open educational resources is that it's not only textbooks. So you can make anything that you would use for teaching open. So things like lab manuals, you can make them more flexible and make them open. Um, course notes, videos, so any kind of material that can be used for teaching um, would be included as an OER. I guess a, another point worth making is that the the textbooks that the, what a textbook can be in a digital context is very different than what a lot of people you know think a textbook uh, is. So you know if you have a if you have a uh, I don't know. You guys have maybe seen there's a meme going around. There's a meme going around a while ago with a, a child who was trying to like right swipe on a uh, to turn on a, a magazine. Did anyone see this? No. Uh, this static content. They're trying to interact with this content, right? And, th and that's 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 the old textbook example. 
So the an open textbook, yeah, you can print it off and you can have that. But the, the beauty of an open textbook in a, delivered in a digital format is that you can put digital media within there. And uh, under the, the Pressbooks license, we have access to a whole series of really usable, no coding required tools that allow you to embed uh, things like uh, you know quizzes and matching exercises, videos, all sorts of things directly within our textbook itself. And so that that line between you know an interactive website and a textbook starts to get really blurry, but blurry in the most positive of ways. You know where we we have material which is far more engaging uh, and far more lifelike than uh, than the classic static thing that you might have in your mind when you think about a textbook. What are the benefits and drawbacks of using open educational resources? You know, I actually was uh, thinking about this when he posed the question about the drawbacks, and I'll have to get back to you on that because I, I honestly, and I, this sounds like, I mean, I, this is the, the used car salesman, like what's wrong with his car? Nothing. You know, it's the best car you've ever gotten. I mean, the, the drawbacks of, of, of the resources follow the mediums, I guess. If you ask what's the drawback of a textbook, well, I mean, there are some, but those are the drawbacks that are true of everything, whether you're paying for it or not, that follows within that medium of a textbook. But even there, a lot of the drawbacks are eliminated by the nature of OER so that you know we have flexibility to adapt them to our content. It's not just a matter of having the you know a Canadian edition of something, which we're lucky to get uh, for many cases with textbooks, but we can make the you know Nova Scotia edition, but we can even make the the you know the CBU edition. We can make the one that's specific to the context of your specific course. So the benefits, well, that's better. Benefit, right? That's that's maybe the biggest benefit from an educator's perspective is the adaptability of the materials. That I can take what I need from it and I can modify it to the specific context of my teaching style, my students, and my classroom. And I can make changes, you know, when I see the changes are necessary. So right now, again, we're in a period of really rapid change and uh, open educational resources are adaptable to that, that new reality. Cost aspect is a, is a huge one. Um, I, I long ago uh, started to try to eliminate textbooks, uh, commercial textbooks from my classroom. And I started doing things like buying them used, uh, old, old editions of them, and just renting them to students for 10 bucks to cover literally my out-of-pocket money on that. But I, that has limitations. I mean, I'm dealing with materials then that are a few years out of date and they're getting harder and harder to find. Uh, you know, students can't uh, can't access them when they're just walking around, which is the things we hear. You can pull it out and it's, you know, as a digital resource, it's on your phone when you want it. You know, it's it's just in time, uh, you know, materials. You can pull it out and you can learn when it is convenient for you as a student. Uh, and you can do it on your computer. You can print it out. You can do it on your phone. Again, so they're adaptable not only to the need of an instructor, but the needs of students as well. And students can choose how they're going to how they're going to use these. So the, the the positives, the benefits, the big ones are adaptability, uh, flexibility, and uh, and cost. The only really strong drawback is availability at this point. Is that because we're 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 new into this world, the commercial publishers have had you know literally a century to work on materials, and so we're playing catch up. So in when I, when I teach, for example, physical geology, there are multiple open textbooks and multiple iterations of each one of those I can draw upon, and they're excellent. I mean, they, they do the job I need them to do. Uh, last year, when I taught historical geology, there was nothing available. There just simply wasn't something. So I, I created a kind of a hodgepodge of online resources and you know a few recommended to things and some stuff in the, uh, in the, in the library. As of this year, though, there's one that's just been rolled out. And so because it's so new, there are gaps in terms of what is available. So 
if you are an instructor and you are super keen to do this, it's conceivable, uh, especially if you are teaching in a niche field, that there isn't anything available for you. On the other hand, if you're teaching any of the classic, you know, discipline 101, psychology 101, biology 101, any of these, there are textbooks and usually multiple textbooks that exist, usually multiple iterations that exist. So there's no excuse not to use them. Yeah, talking about costs for students, that's probably the biggest benefit for the student is that at CBU, our students are spending on average, I think it was $778 a year on textbooks. So if they're using open textbooks, that could save each student um, over $1,000 in the course of their time at CBU. Um, and even if you look at some large classes using open textbooks, just one class could save, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. So that's a huge benefit for the students. Um, another benefit I would say is the quality. So a lot of people do wonder about the quality of open educational resources. And, you know, if you look at commercial textbooks, they're often written by the same people who are writing the open textbooks. They're written by the professors and the experts in the field. So um, I think that's another benefit that we can highlight is that they are high quality and they're often peer reviewed by other faculty who are using them to teach as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I am just going to make one small correction there, uh, just because I have the crib notes in front of me here. But the the number is actually even higher than Jasmine suggested. So the the, the data is from McLean's. Um, it's a few years old, but as of that point, uh, CBU average students reported eight hundred and seventy seven dollars uh, per year. It backwards. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, really, if you use no textbooks over four years, that's close to four thousand dollars. It's crazy. Yeah, and again, like, this is one of these things that you you got to remember. So this is a podcast. Uh, probably professors are going to be listening to this a lot. And the reality that we experienced when we were in school, yeah, I mean, first, I think a lot of us, if we're going to admit it, we're heading down to the copy shop and we were photocopying textbooks. I certainly did that. Uh, I will acknowledge that violation of copyright. Uh, uh, live here, but I mean, everybody was doing this because even then there was a financial stress and you, we knew the copy shop that you could go into at midnight and they would let you do this and they would, you know, have them handed down from generation to generation sometimes. But we were doing that because we felt financial stress at a time when we were paying, you know, $800 in tuition or $2,000 in tuition. We've now got students living in a reality where they're close to $10,000 for domestic students for tuition. And, you know, in many cases, it's double, triple, quadruple that uh, in areas of Canada, program by program for international students. So it's a completely different fiscal reality. The pressures we felt now have, you know, increased in some cases uh, exponentially over what they were like uh, for, you know, our generation. That's a good point. And at the same time, the publishing industry has changed. So instead of coming out with one textbook every, you know, three or four years where you could sell your old copy, now the publishers are digital. And so they require an individual license purchase that comes with a code. Um, and so that really restricts students from being able to share textbooks or, you know, download multiple copies. Um, it really, really limits their options. They basically have to purchase an individual license to get access to the book. And they're often quite expensive. So prices have gone up over a thousand percent since the 70s. Um, so when I was in university, I thought like $88 for a biology book was like crazy. But now I've seen some of the textbooks are over 250 just for intro textbooks. So it's a, it's a really different industry even than when we were in university. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, one, one of the things uh, to remember as well that, uh, you know, there are alternatives now that the textbook industry is feeling the, you know, the, the pressure a little bit, and I hope they feel a lot more in coming years uh, from open educational uh, you know, resources. So the, there's been a move to do things like rollouts, online only versions of the textbooks, et cetera. But, but even then, we're looking at $80 for a textbook. You know, we're just getting back to where we were when we were students. We're not, we're not a step from, uh, you know, from $200 to $80 doesn't mean that the students are still making a decision of whether or not they're going to be, you know, doing rent that month or spending the, you know, $1,000 on textbooks that they may have to, to do. It's, it's better, obviously, to roll out the cheapest possible version, but free is infinitely better than 80 bucks. Do you think that OER have found a new role because of the move to online learning in the COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, first, there are logistical difficulties in distributing physical textbooks, even if we wanted to, because uh, students can't just go down to the CBU bookstore to grab a textbook if they are uh, doing it online from Alberta or India. They may not even have access to that textbook without some kind of you know international shipping uh, associated with it. Or maybe they don't have access to that textbook at all in a physical format. So faculty have definitely been looking because of that logistical reality towards digital textbooks. And if you're going digital anyways, you might as well go digital and free uh, if it's possible. Yeah, and from the library standpoint, um, you know, for the, those very expensive textbooks, we would try to keep a copy on campus that could be shared, you know, on reserve every three hours. But the problem with um, online textbooks is that the publishing companies actually do not sell libraries licenses to these and that's because they have a model where they sell individual licenses not um, group licenses so it actually is completely different than buying a paper textbook where the library could actually loan out to multiple people um, we just actually cannot do that with our digital materials yeah I, as a faculty member we always made a point uh, well in our department we always made a point of having at least one copy on on loan and when we reached out to students, I mean, these things were widely used. But the other part to remember is the, you know, peer-to-peer -peer used textbook market has been gutted now by both the fact that students are distributed everywhere, but also they're not supposed to be interacting together. I mean, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Right? Uh, additionally, students would often buy a copy of the textbook and share it. And unless you're all in a bubble, unless you're all in the same household and sharing the textbook, that's not responsible practice anymore. It's not practical. And so we sometimes forget the ways that students do in a time of you know hard copy two hundred dollar textbooks, and in the you know new pandemic reality, the vast majority of those kind of financial release mechanisms they were using are now no longer safely accessible to them. Yeah, and I feel really bad because I do get contacted by faculty saying, "Oh, could you buy a copy of my textbook, a copy for my class to use?" and you know, I just actually can't. They don't license to libraries. And sometimes if you find one and they do, it's like one copy per day. Like they have digital licenses that are really restrictive. So it just, it doesn't work at all. So um, we've seen a lot of interest from CBU faculty on creating OERs even this year when we're just getting started. So I think that um, they're kind of feeling the pressure and are really interested in making it more accessible for their students. Yeah, to toot our own horn for a second there, uh, and uh, for any for any higher ups listening, there's always more we can do. You know, we 
But uh, right now, CBU, at least last time I checked, CBU had the most number of textbook signups of any institution, not not per faculty member or per student, but just straight up numbers. We had the most of anyone in the library consortia. Uh, and given that we are uh, you know, a relatively small institution, that's something we should be justifiably proud about. What are some first steps for anyone interested in using OER? Jasmine, this one's you. Yeah, it is. Um, so it depends if they're looking to create an open textbook or if they just want to adopt one. So if they wanted to create their own open textbook, we have a platform called Pressbooks and they could email Jason or I and we would get them set up on the platform through Cynthia at Call. Um, and that's where you can build your textbook. Um, this is also going to be supported by some grants that are coming up, so um, keep your eye on your email for those. If you want to adopt an open textbook, then there are a lot of resources. We have a link on the library page to um, just like a basic open education portal that has a bunch of the different sites you can check on. You can also email me or Jason and we can take a look for you. But there are a lot of major platforms across Canada. There's BC Open Textbooks, there's the Ontario Scholars Portal Group, and in the States, there's OpenStax, which is the biggest one in the USA. So um, there's lots of different places you can check, and if you have any trouble, you can always contact us. Absolutely. Uh, one additional thing is if you want to modify a textbook. So, I mean, it's pretty scary to think about writing a textbook from scratch. Uh, but the flexibility that comes with open uh, allows you to, I mean, that it's, it's, it's really scalable, right? You can go and make something entirely yourself, or if you're looking at adopting a textbook right now and it has been published on the Pressbooks platform, which the vast majority of textbooks in North America are, you can port that thing directly into the new regional uh, Pressbooks account. And then you can modify it as much or as little as you want. So, I mean, you can go through and you can just, there's one paragraph of text that drives you crazy, right? You can just cut that one out and just leave the rest of it intact. Or, you know, you can just change the name and call it the Cape Breton edition and make a couple of modifications. Or you can start writing it in real time. You can assign it to students and have them modify the text, right? We've already had CBU faculty members create, you know, open educational documents, textbook level documents as course content. So that's another way that you can give students some ownership over what they're doing as well. You know, if they don't like a passage, it's not clear, come up with a better way of explaining it and then become textbook authors yourself collectively. Are there any additional sources to support faculty when creating OER? Mm. You know that the Nova Scotia students group is trying to work with the government to get some extra funding. So um, that would go a long way towards opening up our platform uh, so we could have more textbooks on there, but also integration so we could integrate um, tests that are in the book right back into Moodle, um, as well as more grants for the faculty who want to create them. And why use Pressbooks to create these open textbooks? One of the big differences between Pressbooks platform for working with open textbook versus a for-profit company like Top Hat is that once your book is in there, even if it's open to you, it's not openly accessible to the broad public without an account with Top Hat. Whereas with Pressbooks, it's open to all. So other people could access your book and use it for their classes. It keeps it in the open realm, which is the point of open textbooks. Yeah, that's that's a that's a worthwhile note, and it, it's not it's not just top hat. There, anytime something new comes along that is challenging you know, the, the bottom line of somebody, that people are going to try to push back and try to you know uh, try to resist change or 
pretend they are change. I mean, this happens, the environmental movement, you have all heard the term greenwashing, you know, so suddenly Monsanto is the greenest thing in the world or whatever. The same thing is happening in the open, uh, in the open uh, educational resource kind of market where uh, to put it into context, it is a multi-billion dollar market textbooks. I think it was something like $11 billion in, uh, in 2017. So there is a huge financial interest to try to convince people that what's out there uh, is not uh, is not in the best interest of the students. So if you're hearing that coming from Pearson, you know, be very be very skeptical. But the the other thing is that there are things being rolled out now that seem open but aren't really open. And true open resources should genuinely be free for anyone to use. Everyone should be able to find them wherever you are in the world, and you should be able to modify them as you choose. That is a that is the gold standard for what we're looking for for open educational resources. And I would really urge any faculty members who are thinking about adopting uh, open educational resources to adopt truly open ones. Any faculty members who are thinking about uh, thinking about building them to build them in a way which is truly open. So for example, on the Top Hat platform, you can build resources uh, and then monetize them slightly. So you can put, you know, charge 10 bucks for them, that sort of thing. And the money gets split between Top Hat and the instructor, which sounds great because uh, you make a little bit of money, but it, it find, fundamentally, you know, undermines the whole purpose of what we're supposed to be doing here, which is to, to make these things truly accessible. I'm getting emails at this point. Now, this is, that's from, what is from Top Hat? Top hat, stop bad mouthing me on the podcast. I just got a cease and desist order right here. Yes, it's actually from Pearson. It wasn't from Top Hat. Oh no, there's one from Top Hat too. There we go. Cool. Oh, you know what it is? It's somebody wanting to buy my pants. I put pants on Kijiji. This is on Kijiji. On, 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 this should be in the podcast. So I've been going through my old storage room and just for fun putting everything on Kijiji. Like just stuff that clearly is garbage, right? And I've been making so much money. So I found two old pairs of jeans. They're not actually old. I've never worn them. They're brand new jeans, but I bought them like seven years ago. They're not remotely in style. So I put them on for 10 bucks each. Ronald wants to buy them. He's coming by. Wow. Oh my gosh. Better than any yard sale. No, it is because it's, because it's free, just like open educational resources. Ah, you like that tie in there? Heavy garbage is the OER of garage sales, okay? <laughs> You've been listening to Beyond the Class, a podcast brought to you by the Center for Teaching and Learning at Cape Breton University. Special thanks to Terry McDonald and our entire CTL team, and to Jazz and Jason for their passionate advice on topics like OER and Heavy Garbage Day in Cape Breton. If you want to find more resources on OER, you can go to the library's resources page at libguides.cbu.ca slash OER. Stay safe, and until next time, Excelsior. <laughs>